everybody starts a journey with excitement. Everybody has plans and goals that they wrote down that they wanted to accomplish. In life, the thing that really separates people from being mediocre and reaching the top highest levels of success is being able to follow through on commitments that you make to yourself. When I started competing in bodybuilding, I learned really quickly how easy it is to break those promises to yourself. No one's there to hold your hand. No one can do it for you. And that's what's great about bodybuilding is it's all you. It's all you and your discipline to follow through. And I remember that because of that strict focus and discipline that it required to become a pro athlete, all that same energy just trickled into my life and into my business. That same level of discipline and focus just became me. If you can follow through on your commitments in life to yourself, there's nothing you can't do. That's the voice of Matt Graves, one of the top selling sales professionals in the history of the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. Matt's experiences, both in sales and as a professional bodybuilder, have honed for him an elite level of discipline and the ability to follow through on the commitments he makes, both to others and to himself. Because of this, Matt has become a top achiever in Cutco, winning the Silver Cup in the Premier League category in 2021 with almost $900,000 in sales for the year. If you've ever felt a disconnect between what you want in life and having the ability to do what it takes moment by moment to get there, you'll gain many insights from Matt's inspiring journey. This conversation is deeply thought-provoking, and if you implement what you learn, can help you manifest a better version of yourself. Are you ready? This is Matt Graves. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm with Matt Graves today, one of the top Cutco salespeople in the entire Cutco Vector Marketing sales organization. Matt's time with Cutco dates back to 2008. He started working in Evan Keller's first year <laughs> district office. And Matt was one of the top college student sales reps in the company for several years. He's a 10-time college All-American. Four of those times, he was number one in the nation. 
as a college student sales rep for a campaign. He graduated from Cal State San Marcos in 2014 with a degree in kinesiology. Matt became a Cutco sales professional and has risen the ranks to become the number 18 all-time salesperson in Cutco history as of uh, the recording of this podcast episode today. He's at about $4.8 million in Cutco sales. He is also a professional bodybuilder, which is something we're going to talk a little bit about today. And Matt won the Silver Cup in 2021 for the Cutco Sales Professional Premier League category. And so uh, we're here to hear a little bit about his great year, about his great career, and about all the insights and ideas that Matt has that can benefit this audience. So Matt Graves, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. Great. Well, take us back to 2008. Tell us how you got started with Cutco. All right. It's a funny story. So Todd Straw was the guy that uh, PR'd me or personally recommended me. And uh, he was a good friend of mine in high school. And uh, at the time, this is whenever it was kind of hard to find a you know normal job. And I remember I didn't want to do just a normal job. I wanted to do something in like the health and fitness field. So I actually personally like walked in applications to multiple gyms, nutrition shops, didn't like get a call back for weeks. And I actually went to one interview for uh, this new gym called Fitness 19. And uh, they actually did not accept me for the position. <laughs> so I go to a party that next weekend. And it was like my friends going off to college party. And so we had a lot of the buddies there. And as I was playing beer pong with a couple of my friends, I hear Todd talking about how he made so much money selling knives for the week. And I was just curious. I was like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I sell Cutco knives, made over 500 bucks in one week. Like, if you need a job, hit me up. It's worth it. And I actually like started laughing and like making fun of him because I just <laughs> thought it was so odd. Like, I, did, I just thought it was so weird. And uh, when he got me, he goes, well, what are you doing for work? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, actually, I'm having a really hard time finding a job. So funny you ask. And so I asked him, I'm like, hey, if you made that much selling in a week, like I'm sure I can too, like hook me up with an interview. I swear the next day I got a call from a receptionist and I had an interview lined up. So I showed up to Evan Keller's office in Temecula, interviewed with him, got accepted for the position. And then like the rest was history. You know, one of the coolest opportunities that was ever given to me. So Yeah, that's great. What were some of the experiences that stand out from that first summer? I'll be honest, it was uh it was a very uncomfortable position for me to start in. I never considered myself to be a salesperson. What I loved about the job though was early in the beginning I had to learn how to communicate with people and I had to really challenge some skill sets that I didn't know I really had. And so what I loved about the opportunity was your effort and the amount of effort that you put in, you know, yielded the results. And so I learned really fast that the harder I worked and the more I put into developing my skill sets, that the more it was going to pay off and uh, the more rewarding the position would be. And I think that being an athlete in high school and my competitive background and my competitive mindset really helped me early on in this job because. Obviously, you have a bunch of other team members that are selling with you. The one experience that really stands out is my first week on the job was the week before uh, SC2 push, which is like one of the biggest push period contests during the summer. 
And so it was almost like the perfect <laughs> catapult into a crazy selling period for two weeks. And so I kind of like, I feel like started in like the golden period of the summer <laughs> where yeah. from the moment I finished training, I was just working my ass off and, uh, I loved it. I loved the energy. I loved, the uh, the team atmosphere. And again, I just really appreciated how humbling the position was at first for me. And then how, for me, it was just like a challenge in my mindset of how can I get good at this as fast as possible so I can make as much money as possible because I was in a position where I was actually forced to pay for school myself. So that was like my number one motivator was selling enough the first two months of that job before I went to college to pay for my own tuition. Got it. Got it. So while you're at Cal State San Marcos, you you had to pay your way through school. Mm-hmm. You became literally the top college student sales rep in the entire company. Mm-hmm. 10-time All-American, four times number one. How did this happen? What were some of the keys to your success during selling during school? So the biggest thing for me was making the decision to actually like do Cuckoo full-time. So even though I went to Cal State San Marcos to actually try to play baseball, I didn't really make the cut after the first year. And because I was like 100% on my own, my parents just weren't able to contribute, even though they wanted to, just financially, it just wasn't going to happen. I had an older sister, older brother in college as well. I was on my own. So it was like a sink or swim mentality. And I remember having a conversation with Evan, like a really serious sit down. And we kind of made like a, like a, plan or a blueprint for what my like career would be like in Cutco. And I told them that my number one goal was in college to, you know, win all American scholarships, be the number one college student in history, and uh, you know, graduate debt free. Once I had mental clarity in what my path was gonna be like, once I had a little blueprint and a little plan of how that was going to work, it was just the discipline that it took to really follow through and make that happen. And ever since then, like my life kind of changed forever, especially being in college and having that income opportunity and the flexibility and the freedom of uh, selling knives around my school schedule. I really don't think there is a better opportunity out there (laughs) at that age when you put all that into perspective. And you, you ran a branch during this time also, right? I did. Yeah. 2010. Where was that? Vegas. So my territory was like East Las Vegas, kind of like the the rough part of town. (laughs) (laughs) And tell us about that experience. Uh, So hands down, it was probably the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I was only, I think, 19 years old at the time. And it's really what shaped me into becoming the high-level CSP that I am. I mean, I won't forget that summer because I moved out on my own leased an office, right? Got my own apartment, uh, did all the uh, recruiting and all the marketing to recruit my sales reps, trained two receptionists and worked countless hours. I remember I had such a high goal for you know selling. I think I, I wanted to sell like at least $150,000 to $200,000 for the summer. And it kicked my butt. I remember, I think I fell short and sold like 75 grand for the entire summer. And uh, I remember just feeling so defeated, but also this level of growth that like, I can't really describe like so much happened to me and I experienced 
so much adversity those four months out there that I felt like when I came back, I felt like I could do anything. Like, I feel like there was just nothing that was going to be harder than what I just experienced. And so it just felt like, like a cakewalk to come back and sell Cutco at a high level. So I'm truly grateful for that experience. And I always tell people that that was one of the, the main turning points in my career that really took me from like a mediocre person in the, in the Cutco world. And it really like made me decide to be one of the greatest because I came back from that summer and I told Evan, I really appreciate the experience, but CSP is what I want to do. And I don't want to look back like, because I didn't hit my goals that summer for my branch, I wanted to like prove to myself and then prove to like the world that I could be the best at something. And so I wanted to make sure that like, if I chose to do this, I was going to go 110% and uh, like make a name for myself in the Cutco world and like be a legend just to kind of like pinpoint the exact moment when I made the decision. I remember I was like sitting in San Marcos, getting ready to go back to school, just moved back from Vegas. You know, I just had a couple things of furniture, <laughs> not much to my name. And uh, obviously I didn't make too much money that summer either. So I just cut a check for tuition. And then I think I had maybe 4,500 bucks to my name in my bank, like not much. And Hal Elrod was always someone that I really was inspired by because he was like just coming off of being like a Hall of Fame rep in Cutco. And then he was just diving into his like motivational speaking and coaching. And then obviously, if uh, you know people are listening and they don't know who he is, he's the author of uh, Miracle Morning. So that really took off, but it wasn't really like a huge thing yet whenever uh, I knew him. And so I was like, I got to make a decision for myself and I need to hire a coach. That was like the, the number one thing that came to my mind was like, if I want to succeed at the highest level and I want to take this cut opportunity seriously and become a CSP and become a hall of famer, become a legend, like I need to hire one, right? <laughs> that, that, was my, that was my thought process. And uh, the reason why Hal was the person I chose was because there was a moment at this national rep conference that I'll never forget. I was with Todd Straw, actually. I was, I think, just at 30,000 career sales. So I was like a new baby rep, like brand new. And uh, Hal just got done giving this amazing message at this conference, super inspiring. I was like, I want to be someone like that, you know? And so I found him at a pool party at the rep conference, and I had a notepad. And while everyone's like partying and taking pictures, um, I went up to him to learn. So I started asking how questions. Todd grabs his notepad and starts like taking notes with me. And after like 20 minutes of just giving us all the nuggets and all the knowledge, John Roman comes up and he goes, Hey, Hal, come with us. Hey, we got to take some pictures. We got to go hit the pool. And Hal goes, um, Not now, I'm teaching. And he just like shut him down and spent the next like 20 or 30 minutes still talking to me and Todd. Wow. And I just, I just remember that, that moment, like my respect for Hal just went from here, like through the roof. And, uh, I'll never forget that because obviously that impact that he had on me is kind of like how I view when I talk to reps now is like, I could have that same impact for other people. 
when they seek me out at conferences or phone calls, text messages. And uh, I'll just never forget that. So that's why when I knew that I wanted to hire a coach, he was the guy that popped up in my mind. So I called him up and I said, Hey, Hal, I want to be the number one All-American and I want to graduate debt-free. I want to be, you know, scholarship winner every single campaign. Show me how. I want to hire you as a coach. And he's like, hey, I would love to help out. Here's my coaching fees and rates. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I didn't realize it cost so much to hire a coach. And I was so committed to the process and so committed to my decision that he says, well, if you pay a year in advance, I'll knock off 500 bucks. So it'll be $3,500 for the year. And I remember looking at my bank account and I'm like, if I do this, I'm literally going to be eating top ramen for the month. <laughs> And so I literally sent them $3,500 and I had like maybe a thousand bucks left in my name. And uh, that was probably the number one investment that I've ever made for myself. And the reason why I would say that is because what Hal taught me in those two to three years I coached with them, one-on-one coaching, is the reason why I became such a prolific college student selling knives. And so that's really what he taught me was how I won the 10 All-Americans, how I won four times number one, and then how I uh, became like a CSP and like a top CSP before even graduating college. So that's kind of like the story behind making the decision to become CSP. Yeah. Wow, you know that that was turned out, Matt. I know you thought it was expensive, but it turns out that's bargain basement <laughs> for working with Hal Elrod. I think Hal gets paid yeah. like thirty five hundred dollars to take a photo with somebody nowadays, yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah, it's crazy uh, how much things have changed. But I just remember for me, I was like, I'm like pretty much giving my life savings right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what? Give us, uh, give us like one or two nuggets that you learned from Hal that made all the difference. Oh man, so it's actually kind of like what I structure my coaching with my mentors or mentees out of now, because what he taught me stuck with me forever. I give him a lot of the credit to my success. The first thing that he taught me was number one, changing your habits. And so, I mean, I, just to kind of like give you some background where I was at in this position, I was living in a house with six guys on a golf course in San Marcos. We partied Thursday through Sunday. Once Thursday hit, like I kind of just let things go with the flow. And let's just say that there was no discipline involved. And it was like the party atmosphere that I got caught into. And uh, it really affected my schoolwork and it really affected my productivity with Cutco. And in, a, in such a way to where I just felt like lost. You know, I felt like I'm not producing the way I need to. And I'm also just not honoring myself with who I know I could be. And so once I started coaching with Hal, he just really broke down the areas of my life that needed to change. And uh, the first one was my habits. And what he introduced to me was the miracle morning. And the miracle morning is what really allowed me to be productive and get my schoolwork and studying done. But at the same time, work on personal growth and still free up times where I can do Cutco appointments and make Cutco phone calls later in the day. At one point in my college career, I was waking up at 4 to 4.30 in the morning 
because none of my roommates would be up. And so that was my time to like have peace and quiet for two or three hours before everyone started waking up. And that's when I got all my homework and studying done. And being a kinesiology major, it's like intense, like really intense lab work, studying, all the tests were crazy. So I really needed that time to study that material. I actually like dedicated Monday through Thursday to just school. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when I did all my appointments. Or if I did do an event, that's where I would do my events. And so I was able to sell, you know, a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year just working pretty much three to four days a week, which was really cool. But yeah, so habits was the first thing. And the miracle morning is really what changed my life because that's what really helped me with my personal growth. And then it really helped me with just like taking care of all my school studies. The next thing that really changed my life was whenever he told me that I need to change my environment because this is what my biggest distraction was, was my friends, <laughs> my friends that I was living with the house we were in, it was just a party house. So I actually made the decision to move out of the house and get my own place with two different roommates that really had like the same like vision and plan that I did for getting through school. We're all in like working out in fitness. So it was just a better like environment to get away from where I was at. And so making that decision was like huge for me because I remember that year that I moved, I had my first hundred uh, K year. It was like my first year selling a hundred thousand dollars. And uh, a lot of that had to do with like what Hal taught me with the miracle morning, changing my environment. And then the last thing he really taught me too is uh, changing my circle of influence. People say that you're the average of the five people you spend your time with. And at the time it was true. It was my roommates. I was exactly like my roommates, <laughs> partying, drinking, and not really doing much. I just had to make a, a change. And this is probably the biggest change that needed to be made. Making that decision to like take different people in my life and spend more time with them, you know, have better conversations with them. All five people that were originally in there were gone. And then I just had this new batch of just fresh perspectives, inspirations. And uh, yeah, I really filled my cup fast with, with really motivational, influence, influential people. And yeah, from that point on, my circle of influence has just kept developing and developing and developing. It's a, kind of like a constant work every single year. Now I have my core, obviously. But in that time in college, you're really trying to figure out like who are your people? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, who am I to, to get my motivation and my inspiration from? Who do I call when I need advice and help? Figuring that out was such a game changer. So those three things were the catalyst to my success starting in college. Yeah. So. Who are the people who have been most instrumental in your success? So first off, my parents growing up taught me really early. Like my dad, he was kind of like a tough love guy. And uh, he never gave us children uh, handouts. He was really good about making us earn anything we wanted. So I grew up on two and a half acres. We had four horses, animals, garden. Like we had a lot of responsibilities. And so anytime we wanted, you know, to go to the movies or we want to go to the mall or anytime we want to go paintballing, he would ask us how much we would need or want. And then he would actually find a job that would be equivalent to that value. And it was just such a good reminder nowadays that 
anything that you want to do in your life, all you got to do is work for it. Like you, like you can earn it if you work for it. And so he's always been the guy that I give my credit to as far as my work ethic goes, because from, <laughs> from the moment I was like six or seven years old to graduating from high school, all I did was yard work and chores to get anything that he gave me in life. And, uh, same thing with my mom. Like my mom was one of the hardest working people I've ever known. And, uh, she took care of all like all the stuff around the house. I mean, she cleaned the house. She did the garden work. She did all the, you know, landscaping and scenery around her house. And she taught me to value life because she came from Vietnam. She was actually like a refugee and, uh, her whole family went through the entire war, survived it, and then moved out here to the U S and, uh, she just reminded me so much throughout my life growing up that you don't take this life for granted, you know, and, uh, the opportunities that we have here in the U S she didn't have a lot of people don't have and you got to appreciate it every single day yep. and uh so those two people for sure are like my number one but then when it comes to the cutco world evan keller obviously was pretty much my dad <laughs> you know he gave uh he gave me the opportunity in this knife job and he was my number one mentor those first few years i mean he taught me so much about just becoming a man and taking on responsibility, growing up. I mean, you can ask him, you should see the haircut I had when I walked in that interview. You should see the suit and tie that I had on. I had diamond earrings in. I mean, it was just a completely different guy. You know, he molded me into the young man that I was, you know, all through college. And uh, I think he's just such a good example for me and for many other people because of the family man that he is, the father that he is, the leader that he is. And you just can't help but be motivated and inspired by the way he carries himself through his life. And so anytime I needed life advice or business advice, he was my guy. And then the last person that really has a special place in my heart is Brandon Brown. So he's probably one of the most influential people in my life and in my circle of influence right now. And our relationship that we have is, you know, it's more like a brotherhood. And uh, we spend a lot of time with each other in the business because we're both uh, coordinators for the federal program in Cutco. And a lot of my recent success, I would say in the last five to six years, a lot of it comes from him. And, uh, you know, he, he's the one that challenges me a lot. He's the one that continues to make me work on my, my craft master my skill sets in the business. And obviously just because of his performance and his productivity and his success, it just naturally motivates me to carry myself to that level. Because the way I look at it is like, if I have someone of that caliber in my circle of influence, I need to be that or better because I want to add the same type of value to his life. And I want to have the same type of influence and motivation for him as well. So it's yeah. like one of those things that, you know, just him being in my life is like helping me out already too. But yeah, yeah in the business, he has taught me so much and uh, he's been a mentor for me as well. And then outside the business, he's like one of my best friends. So, yeah, cool. So I, I take it that when you change your circle of influence, he was one of the key guys that you 100%. decided to spend much more time around that really helped move you and your career in the right direction. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. 
Awesome. So you became, have become one of the top CSPs in Cutco, really in the history of Cutco. We referenced this uh, earlier, number 18 all time in the company. And this year you competed in the CSP Premier League. It was a hard fought race. I know uh, Burt Wicks in Minnesota was your main competitor along with several others though throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And you came on super strong. I believe you sold over $200,000 in December and ended up the year at eight ninety nine six hundred to win that silver cup. So yep. congratulations on Thank uh, you. <laughs> an awesome year and an awesome finish. What, uh, what do you feel like is your Cutco superpower, Matt? Uh, so I would say my superpower is being able to be coachable and receive feedback and knowledge, but being able to apply it and then perfect and master it. Mm. I think that's really what has been my success story, especially the last five years, is I have this ability to learn from people, but I can apply it like right away. And then as I apply it and work on it, the goal is like, how do I perfect this to be my own? Right. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say is like with Brandon Brown, I mean, obviously he's a master on a bunch of things in the Cutco world, but not even just Brandon. You know, I, I learned over the years from Jason Jeffrey, Curtis Jake Hughes, Mike Dowd, a lot of it's Brandon Brown as well. But anything that I knew I was weak in or struggling in the Cutco business, I would uh, find out who's the best at doing that. I would uh, receive feedback and knowledge about that topic. And then I would apply it, but I would also just continuously try to perfect and master that approach. So that way it's a strong point for me. I'm constantly evolving and working on the weaker areas of my business, but at the same time, perfecting and raising the standard for my strengths as well. So it's all elevating at all times. Yeah. You really shared, Matt, you really shared a set of three superpowers there. One of them is the receiving <laughs> yes. of feedback, the receiving of information. Some people get blocked right there, mm-hmm. right? They feel like they either know it all or they think they can just figure it out on their own or they're defensive about receiving feedback. Exactly. Right? Like So that's one thing. Then you referenced applying, mm-hmm. which there are many people who are intuitively very smart, understand things, but they don't actually apply what they know, right? They don't embody what they've learned. And that's a trap I think that we all get into from time to time. So Mm -hmm. that applying part is critical and then taking that to the next level and perfecting it. Like you work on your craft to get really, really, really good. Like you're not just happy being really good. You want to (laughs) be the best, right? Yeah. At what you do. And so there's that element of, of really trying to take it to a higher level that I appreciate about you. I think a lot of that too is uh, a lot of people don't know how to ask themselves the tough questions. I think I just expect more of myself. I don't know. I always just raise the standard because I remember even uh, in December, right? When I sold 213 grand and broke the company record, I had a specific day where I had my best day ever behind the booth. I sold $24,000 in one day behind the booth. 
And I remember at the end of the day, I was just reflecting. I'm like, how did I not do 30? Like, what did I miss out on? What were the conversations that I had with customers that could have made a difference to get to 30,000 for the day? And then I started like just replaying the scenarios in my head of like opportunities that I missed, objections that I didn't handle the way I should have. And then, you know, I'm like, man, I could have sold 30 grand today. Like the opportunity was there. How do I learn from those mistakes so that next time I can make it happen? And I just remember like little things like that, but I do this a lot. So there's a lot of scenarios throughout the year where I just ask those tough questions of, what could I have done better? Even though I, I did well, I could have done this. What would have been the number one needle mover? What would have made a bigger difference? So I just continuously ask myself those questions. So that way I'm never like celebrating too long, if that makes sense. Yeah. Are you still celebrating your success though? 100%. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm always happy and I celebrate. But at the same time, I think it's important to realize that if you want to be the best and you want to continuously improve, you still need to reflect whether it's a good day or a bad day. You always got to analyze of where there was room for improvement because otherwise you're never going to find out what your true potential is unless you actually figure out how to keep growing and how to keep working on perfecting your skill set. And the reason why I know that's true is because 10 years ago, selling 300,000 for the year was you know, exciting. It was actually almost unheard of, right? If someone sold 300 grand for the year. Nowadays, we have people selling over a million dollars for the year. And in those 10 years, the only thing that changed was the standards and the skill sets of all the salespeople. And so as that keeps evolving, you need to ask yourself, like, what do I need to do to get to that level? And so it's a good reminder for me that even though I had my best year ever and you know grew by a bunch, like I'm not where I could be. And so I never want to stay where I am. I never want to celebrate too long on that past success. It's in the past. It's done. Moving forward. And what's next? You know, what else can I do better? Yeah. So cool. I mean, just great, <laughs> great stuff, Matt. Great stuff. I love it. Tell us about bodybuilding. How did this come into, into uh, your life? <laughs> It's a great story, actually. I've loved working out ever since uh, high school. So I started working out when I joined football my sophomore year. After I was done playing baseball and sports in general in college, I, I found myself just going to the gym and going through the motions. And uh, I went because I knew I had to, but I didn't have a goal. And I didn't really have like meaning or purpose behind it. So I kind of felt like I was just going to go, but I didn't really enjoy it anymore. And so one day I'm buying Nikes at the Nike outlet in uh, San Diego. And this guy that's helping me pick out my shoes goes, Hey man, you ever thought about competing in bodybuilding? And I'm like, no, actually never. He goes, you got really good uh, structure. Like, I feel like you can do really well if you actually try to. And I like was curious of why he said that and why he brought it up. And uh, obviously he competes. So me and him kind of, you know, exchanged social medias. I started following him on Instagram and I kept in touch with him because I saw that he was, you know, competing pretty consistently in uh, men's physique, which is a category of bodybuilding. And after a few months of following him, uh, he convinced me to, to do my first competition. And this was in 2016. 
And uh, obviously, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't have a coach at the time. So I kind of just like self-coached myself. And I uh, pretty much figured out like, hey, what's the best diet to lose weight? You know, what's the training regimen going to look like? I knew how to work out. Like working out wasn't the problem, but I didn't know how big of a role dieting and like cardio played with achieving a competition physique. And so sadly enough, my first competition, I was not ready. (laughs) I showed up and I, I was in the best shape of my life. But I looked around, I was like, these guys look incredible. Like they are shredded <laughs> to the bone. Like, what am I doing here? I look like I looked like I was six weeks out still, you know? <laughs> and so I got like dead last place. Dead last. Like not even close. And I remember it was such a humbling experience being on that stage and like just getting smoked and then seeing how much more conditioned and better shape these other people were in. I remember that's when I made the decision. I'm like, I'm going to do this thing 110%. Like, <laughs> like my competitive nature kicked in. I was like, like I'm going to get good at this. Like, I love working out. I have a purpose. I have a vision now. And at my competition, they also had the pro event going for the men's physique. And so I actually got to see the pros go right after. And that's when I was like, dude, like, I can do that. Like, I want to be a pro. And so, yeah, that started my bodybuilding journey. And then after that, I went out and hired a coach for uh, competing. And uh, I did like, I think I did like four or five more regional shows after that. And then I also did two national shows, which is where you go to win your pro card. And I ended up going to my first national show in 2018. And I got like second or third call outs, which isn't good. It was like, 15th or 20th place but even though it's a national show you know that's where all like the the winners go to try to get the pro card and then after that i remember that i was going to take all of 2019 off to make sure i like developed all the weak areas uh and then just made made sure i was ready to go pro and then in 2020 i uh, ended up going pro and uh i got my pro card so now now the mission is to do my pro debut this year and try to win my pro show to qualify for Olympia, which is like the biggest bodybuilding show in Vegas. So, wow, yeah, <laughs> it's been <laughs> that's a awesome, man. That's awesome. What do you think you could share that you've learned from bodybuilding on you know maintaining discipline or anything along those lines that might help people? Oh man, so yeah, like people ask me all the time, does your fitness background like correlate to your life? in your business. And it's a hundred percent does. Like I would say the number one thing that I've gained from competing in bodybuilding is discipline. And I'm not talking just like normal discipline, like discipline at the highest level, like elite level discipline. And the reason why I say that is because in life, the thing that really separates people from being mediocre and the and you know, reaching the, the top highest levels of success is being able to follow through on commitments that you make to yourself. That's really what it comes down to. And when I started competing in bodybuilding, I learned really quickly how easy it is to break those promises to yourself. And how if you can't follow through on commitments to yourself, you're never going to get the physique that you need <laughs> to step on stage and compete at the high level. And so I can like spend 30 minutes right now talking about all the decisions that I have to make 
personally to make it through like a prep for a show. You know, it's like 14 weeks of intense dieting, cardio, training, sleeping, like everything needs to be right. No one's there to hold your hand. No one can do it for you. And that's what's great about bodybuilding is it's all you. It's all you and your discipline to follow through. And I remember that because of that strict focus and discipline that it required to become a pro athlete, in the last three to four years of competing, all that same energy just trickled into my life and into my business. That same level of discipline and focus just became me. It just became who I was and it became how I operated. So my business took off because of that, because my discipline was at a level that it's never been. And then obviously like with relationships and just my life in general, it changed completely because of that. And the one thing I would share is that if you can follow through on your commitments in life to yourself, you know, there's nothing you can't do. And that's where people fall short is they start to, to live life by excuses and they start to paint stories for themselves of why they couldn't do something or why they chose not to do it anymore. Instead of actually just like realizing that they weren't falling through on the commitments that they made five months ago, six months ago, a year ago, et cetera. But everybody starts a journey with excitement. Yeah, everybody has plans and goals that they wrote down that they wanted to accomplish. And then if they didn't, there's always excuses or there's always a story that they told themselves of why they couldn't do it. And that was the difference for me of like where I'm at today from where I was five years ago is uh, the never give up attitude. And I think taking ownership of my decision-making, that's really what it came down to was I realized that if I decide to do something and I have the plan in place, it's all just up to me to follow through on my commitments. So five years of that type of decision-making, that type of discipline, and that type of challenge for my mindset is really why I'm at where I'm at today. Super profound, Matt. I mean, I think that anybody can stop and, and just think right now, right? What are the disciplines in my life that I could improve? What are the things I've neglected? Mm -hmm. Where have I decided I was going to do one thing, but then in the moment allowed myself to do another? Uh, I know I could fill a page with answers to that question. And I'm sure most people could. And it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to hear that your life is about following through on mm-hmm. the decisions that you make, following through on the vision that you have for yourself, both personally and professionally, and then making it happen. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's inspiring to say the least, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, as you uh, look into the future, what are you most excited about? I have like, you know, the five-year, 10-year plan, but I try not to think too far because, you know, it's not even promised, right? So for me, I try to keep just for my mental capacity, I try to keep like just like the two to three year vision. And what I'm most ex- excited about, like in the Cutco business and the Cutco world, is just continuing to raise the bar, raise the standard for myself. And obviously, just for like the CSP community, it's so exciting to see the level that we've taken it to in the last 10 years. And uh, I think this year we had what five or six representatives over a million in sales. So that was inspiring just in itself. And so my vision is like, okay, you know, how do I become the next million dollar per year producer? 
And what if in the next couple of years, you can earn a million dollars in a single year? And so that gets me excited is not just selling over a million for the year, but what, what does it look like to earn over a million dollars in one year selling Cutco? What do I have to do skill set wise to get there? <laughs> the next thing that gets me really excited is just continuing to uh, pioneer the federal program for our business. I'm actually a co-coordinator with Brandon for the Western Region Federal Program. And we've done amazing things in the last five to six years, but we're not even like scratching the surface of the potential of the program yet, especially with uh, GSA contracts. And so I'm like super committed and uh, you know super excited to just taking that program to elite levels. And one of the visions that we have as a program is that one day, federal Cutco will be so big that <laughs> it's hard to describe it, but that uh, Cutco corporate would actually be like the small sister company to Cutco federal. <laughs> like that's nice. the opportunity that's there that people don't understand, but we're talking billions of dollars in business in a single year that the federal program can actually produce. And so getting it to that level to where like, yeah, literally Cutco that's been around for 75 years is now the sister like company <laughs> of Cutco Federal. Like it just, that vision is just crazy. So yeah. that, that gets me excited. Outside the business though, obviously I'm a IFBB pro uh, bodybuilder and that's like a big part of my life and that's a big part of my passion. And so my main goal in the next couple of years is to qualify uh, for Olympia which would make me one of the top 40 physiques in the entire world. So that's always been a dream of mine since I made the commitment to go pro is uh, to become an Olympian in the bodybuilding world. So that's exciting. And then the last thing is uh, just my other motivations in life, uh, providing for my family. Like I do cut go at a high level. And the biggest reason why is my inspiration is, you know, more time with family and friends taking my family on trips, you know, hosting dinners and hosting holidays at my place. I actually gave my Mercedes to my mom a couple of years ago because she needed a car. And uh, my main goal is like to get her a house that's paid off. So she doesn't have to worry about, you know, paying for rent anymore. She lives by herself. So little things like that, that really keep me going, just doing things for the family. And then obviously friends. And then uh, obviously the last big thing I would say is uh, continuing to impact people. I think that everybody has a responsibility in life to remember the impact they have on people and to always make that a focus on what they do. And you can be as successful as you want, but if you're not impacting other people, like what's the point? You know, who are you doing it for really? And for me, that's kind of, kind of became more apparent in the last few years is like realizing that I do have a lot of impact on people, whether it's in the Cutco world or outside the Cutco world. And that's like one of my main goals every year now is like, what are the little things I can be doing? What are the random acts of kindness? And what are just ways I can show up big? You know, what are, what are ways I can really give back to the community and impact others in a way that, you know, I was impacted by Hal Alrod whenever uh, you know, he spent that time with me at the conference. So yeah, mentoring people, but obviously just, just being a person of impact as well in whatever capacity that looks like. So that's awesome. that gets me excited. Awesome. Well, Matt, uh, this has been really great. I'm grateful to have you as a key leader in the Western region. 
Uh, you're having a tremendous impact on a lot of people through your leadership and through the uh, strategies and tools that you help spread to everybody in our organization. Uh, and it's great to have seen you have such awesome success in 2021. And I look forward to uh, what's next for you, man. Thanks awesome. so much. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Matt Graves, wow, that was a masterclass, everyone. Just such great stuff right there, starting with what he learned from Hal Elrod about identifying habits for success and what were the habits that he could change, altering his environment, getting himself into an environment that would contribute to his vision and his goals, and then, of course, his circle of influence and getting around the right people. I loved Matt's superpower which combined the receiving of feedback and coaching with applying what he knows and then taking that to the highest level by perfecting those skills. The 100% correlation in life and business with discipline, right? How discipline in one area totally correlates over to other areas of life. And of course, Matt also talked about at the end, you know, that if you're not impacting others, then what good is the success that you're achieving. It's all for the purpose of being able to impact people positively. Such great stuff. Matt referenced his first mentor, Evan Keller. Evan has been a guest on the podcast. That's episode number 57. Matt also talks about working closely with Brandon Brown. Brandon has an episode on sales mastery, which is episode number 25. And if you want to learn more about the Miracle Morning, I discussed that with Hal Elrod in episode number 156. I would love to hear from you about this episode and what you feel like this triggered in your mind. Go to changinglivespodcast.com, scroll down until you find Matt Graves or enter his name in the search bar and click on the episode. Go to the bottom where there's space for you to type comments and tell me what you got from this. What are the disciplines that you realize you need to practice more consistently, right? What inspiration did you gain from today and from Matt Graves? Hope you enjoyed this one, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.